This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL Chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita Show on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Chicken It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And Cordell, as I predicted... As I predicted, Ravens did not allow this to be close against the Jaguars. Now, what people will say is that the Jaguars beat themselves, and that's probably true because in the first half, they definitely were moving uh, the chains essentially in every drive that they had, but they didn't capitalize. So it it should have been closer than what it was. It really should have been. But in the second half, um, the Ravens just decided that they were going to, what did I say, impose their will against the Jacksonville Jaguars on defense. And one of the things that I, I think we should acknowledge is um, Todd Munkin, because you already know, Cordell, that was something that I was concerned about in terms of, like, is Todd going to – what is he going to do with these elite pass rushers or very good pass rushers that he's going to be facing down the stretch? And all we heard all week was that the Jags have a top uh, five run defense. And but they're small. They're small up front. And I think that I, I don't really understand why they're top five. Maybe it's because the the attempts, because their secondary isn't that good. So people pass more. Not really sure. All I know is that the Ravens said, we don't care about none of them statistics. We're going to do what we do best, which is run the football. And then you get what you got on Sunday, over 250 yards on the ground. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens continue to show that they can run the football whenever they want to. And I asked John about that uh, on Monday when we spoke to him, just how important it was to him when he was in the hiring process of finding a new offensive coordinator, moving on from Greg Roman, where they had a historically great rushing attack. I asked him how important it was to him to make sure that they are able to remain elite in the run game. And, he, you know, he said it was a big part. And he, he did mention how they did keep certain principles from the Roman system uh, and what they're doing now. And that's no surprise. You're not going to completely go away from what worked for you. And uh, I, I, I filled in for Bob on Vinny and Haney earlier this week, and we had Charles Walker on from the Baltimore Sun. And Charles made a good point that the Ravens continue to show 
that because remember this is a pass this was a game where the passing game wasn't great in the grand total scheme of things. I mean, Lamar only threw for 171 yards. He looked spectacular doing it outside of that interception. Uh, but it's not like the pass, it's not like he went out there and threw for 300 something yards. They, they, it, we didn't really hear from the receivers, likely made his plays. Kohler had that nice catch to get him inside the five. But outside of that, it wasn't a lot going on in the passing game. So, they continue to show you that when they need to make something happen, when they've got to right the ship, the run game is what they're going to lean on. And that's what got them through the second half. Over 200 yards in the game. Uh, you know, the loss of Keaton Mitchell was huge. But as, as we said this going into the into the season when we were talking about the J.K. Dobbins contract situation, the Ravens yeah. will always be able to run the football as long as number eight is in the backfield. He yep. just puts so much pressure on the defense. He creates, he is the matchup problem. And by default, anybody you, almost anybody you line up next to him is going to be able to have some sort of success. Now, Gus Edwards hasn't been great as of late. Um, he played found well, I thought he played better in the Jags game, especially once Keaton went down. And yeah. it's kind of like, all right, we're, we're, we're pounding the ball the rest of the game. He, he definitely started to impose his will as the game went on. Um, but I, I, I do think they're going to need Gus in his, tot- in his totality to be a, a way more efficient than he has been as of late as a runner. Um, because without Keaton, you're missing your big play guy. You're missing your chunk runs. You're missing the possibility of that home run ball. So um, they're going to need Gus to get back to being that guy that's averaging five to six yards a pop, especially with these teams that they have coming up next. The run game is going to be important in all of these games. San Francisco runs the ball themselves. Miami runs the ball themselves. And Pittsburgh, I mean, God knows they're a dumpster fire, but they still want to run the football. So uh, it's going to be important that the Ravens are able to play their own keep away game and keep the run game going. But yeah, I mean, the the run game is was huge for them, like you mentioned. Yeah, and look, losing Keaton Mitchell is definitely going to be a, a big blow to what this run game has done since he's been in. Um, it, it, you know, he has been extremely explosive. He, you know, he had that one play in the Jags game where it felt like he was gonna get, uh, you know, tackle for a loss, and then he just scrambles around until he's able to find a theme for him to go through, and he turns it into a positive um, outcome. And so you're going to miss that. But I, I have to remind people that the Ravens were five and two prior to Keaton Mitchell even stepping onto the field. And while he is a dynamic runner, for sure, um, Lamar Jackson is what makes this offense in terms of the run game go. I will always stand by that. And so Justice Hill um, is while he's not as prolific in terms of, you know, doing what Keaton does, it's still very good at what he does. All I ask is that you take out the read zone option because they're not good at that. For whatever <laughs> yeah. reason, Lamar and Justice don't be on the same page, okay? Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to have to not do that if you're the Ravens. Just don't have him run his own read options. But Justice Hill can run in a very similar elusive way as Keaton Mitchell was able to do. And then they're going to bring up Melvin Gordon, who, yes, I did make a joke online about <laughs> Melvin Gordon being called – because I already knew what was going to happen. But what I'm not going to do is act like when Melvin Gordon didn't see limited action, he didn't play well, because he did. And that's 
you know, that's why eventually he stayed. Because at some mm -hmm. point, you know, with the running backs, you're going to get an opportunity. And now is his opportunity. Um, and Melvin Gordon is, is a good running back. He just has a fumble problem. But what we're not going to do is um, we're not going to forecast that, right? Hopefully his problems are behind him. And then the, the Ravens are still able to move the ball on the ground, even though Keaton Mitchell will not be on this roster. Yeah, I mean, and look, it's a lot of guys on this team that were brought in with, I don't want to say baggage from previous stops, but they had a story, you know, it was something. Nelson Aguilar had the drops, Haven't hasn't dropped the ball much this year. He played really well this year. Really well. Jadavian Clowney, he's cooled off. He's cooled off, but he he was known as a guy that couldn't finish. He's got, you know, he's having a pretty decent year for them. They yeah. know it. Same thing. He's had locker room issues in the past. I haven't heard anything about him in the locker room. It's just we've seen guys come from other places where they have something attached to them. To For Melvin Gordon, it's the fumbles. But maybe, just maybe, that won't be the case for him right now yeah. for the Ravens. They're already – he sees where this team is headed. He sees what the ceiling is for this team. And, you know, like you said – as a running back, you you know you're always going to get your opportunity for him. I'm sure he's happy that his opportunity is going to be coming at the most important time of the year. We're playing December football now, and you got the playoffs right around the corner, which the Ravens have already clinched a spot for with that win yep. against the Jags on Sunday night. So, um, look, like, like we both said, I, I think the running game will be fine. Uh, but, look, Melvin Gordon coming in is, is – they they're losing something when you lose Keaton Mitchell. You, you're you're yes. losing a piece of it without question. Just like when Dobbins went down, they lost something when Dobbins went down. The run game will still be good, but you're missing that dynamic player back there. Justice Hill has the speed. He doesn't have, you know, the wow factor, but Gus has the power. All of those three guys and, and Melvin is a power runner as well. And he can, you know, he can get out in the open field and makes, he, he has a nose for the end zone. That's one thing that always has been a part of his game is scoring touchdowns. So I, I think the running game will still be able to be good enough for the Ravens to be the type of offense they want to be. I agree with you. And I do think that, you know, look, they, they have found a niche. And, and that was always my concern. Is Todd Munkin going to allow, going to give and take what the defenses allow? And in the past, I think you and I have talked about like, it just didn't feel like that the, they would ever get a rhythm, you know, in terms of whether they were passing, whether they were running. Just didn't feel like th that they were ever, like, calling it to get a rhythm. But I definitely feel like an, a rhythm was established. One more thing before we get into the defensive side, I do want to acknowledge um, something that I really hope that we start to see more down the stretch. Because as crazy as that play was, that Lamar got out of the sack, threw the ball down the field to Isaiah Likely, right? Fantastic. I don't know how – and that was one of those, oh, my God, no. Oh, wow, yes. You know, mm -hmm. one of those types of plays. Um, Rashad Bateman is a guy that I think a lot of us have um, criticized, understandably so. You know, there's been times he's given up on the field. But Rashad Bateman is finding ways to get open. And then and and one thing in that play, Rashad Bateman was open in that play. Now, Lamar obviously threw the ball, you know, down the field. The point I'm trying to make is that I think that this offense 
first and foremost, they're going to have to do what defenses give them. And if sometimes that's going to be just running the ball that day and allowing your tight ends to do what they do, then that's what it's going to be. And the wide receivers are going to have to be okay with that. But when it comes to the wide receivers being back involved, we have to see more of Rashad Bateman because Rashad Bateman is getting open. He's finding ways to get open. But him and Lamar just don't have a consistent connection yet. So what I really do hope is that they look at this tape and see uh, which look they probably seen a whole bunch of other weeks. I'm about to say, you know, yeah, it's, it's been that way all season, honestly. At some point, you got to capitalize off of it, though. At mm-hmm. some point, you have to start utilizing the guys that are being open for you. And it's crazy because that I, I know Lamar tried to throw a touchdown to Bateman again uh, in the end zone in the second half, and it was just underthrown. But look how open he gets on that play. Got to start utilizing Rashad Bateman more, and Rashad Bateman has to start making sure that he's not giving up on plays either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's a, it's a two way street that can, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it, it's like when you talk about someone gaining your trust, right. You know, you don't just give your trust away. It's gotta be earned. And I don't know what it is that Bateman has to do to, to earn more of Lamar's trust. It's tough to earn the trust from Bateman's side. He's probably like, it's tough for me to earn it if I'm not getting the ball thrown to me. But from Lamar, it's like, man, I still remember when I was and I was throwing interceptions or, you know, you giving up on the route or something like that. And so you you just, who knows? Who knows? But it's, it's definitely clear that they need to do something. And it was good to see on a night where the receivers were, you know, unusually quiet. quiet. Mm-hmm. Bateman was the one receiver that you did hear from. wasn't a lot, but he still was able to be the one receiver that was able to be heard from in the game. Um, I'd be curious to see what happens if Bateman really does start to become a true part of the game plan. Because, I mean, I remember I asked Lamar about that earlier in the year. Just, you know, I asked him, do you ever get into a mode where you start to realize, okay, I need to get such and such the ball. Such and such needs to get involved in the game. And he he said it was mainly due to the, you know, what's called and what happens within the play, which I understand. You know, they're calling certain plays for certain people. Certain concepts are meant for certain routes. Um, but it, it's clear that the defense isn't paying as much attention to Bateman as they may be to Zay Flowers or to Odell Beckham or those guys. So, yeah, I, I, I would be curious to see what would happen if Bateman was really involved for four quarters. Because, really, we, we see him – in I mean, he still only had, what, three catches Sunday night? I mean, even when he is involved more than usual, it's still very limited. I completely agree. So, hopefully they'll find a way to move further – with the Rashad Bateman uh, situation, because he's finding ways to uh, make himself available. And I do think that that's something that will be important down this stretch. All right, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, look, giving up seven points to a team that has uh, Zay Jones. Yes, Zay Jones, I think, uh, had a hamstring situation, but that was like late in the fourth quarter at that point. Um, and, and Evan Ingram, who's played well in absence of Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley, you know, uh, and tra- at, at ETN as well, because ETN is a guy that I think a lot of people were concerned about coming into this game because of what the Rams were able to do um, the week before. So you saw what the Rams were able to do. And ETN is is, is a similar type of dude. And he's, he's elusive. He can get through. He can kind of he's slippery. One of those types of dudes held them to 75 yards. So, you know, as concerned as you and I have been on this podcast about the situation for um, 
what it is that this defense does from a run game perspective. And I've said, hey, are we going to call on Dominica Sue? Because, you know, it might be time. They did do well uh, against the run game this past game against uh, Travis Etienne, which I thought was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they did early in the game. It was it, it, it seemed like he was finding some daylight at times, um, but they definitely shut that down in the second half. I mean, the the Jags really were just shooting themselves in the foot. Um, the, a lot of you really look at the first half of the game. I, the Jags either at least should have had nine points or possibly even had the lead. I mean, they, they I thought a lot of the things they did were just they were self imploding. And that's not the Ravens' fault. You know, that's what bad teams do. They you know they they hurt themselves. Um, but the Ravens. I st- it was good to see Kyle Hamilton out there. I thought they did a good job on the perimeter. They did a good job tackling for sure in this game. Uh, the coverage was pretty good as well. I mean, Lawrence hit, had a couple of throws here and there. The Agnew touchdown, you know, that's a busted coverage. Um, clearly, Arthur Millett thought he had somebody over the top. It looked like he thought Stevens was supposed to be there, and Stevens jumped to Calvin. Yeah, that's what. It looked, yeah, it looks like he thought that that he was because he was kind of pointing at Stevens right. when it happened, but he definitely thought he had over the top help. Right, he did. So but other than that, I mean, it is what it is. The Jags again going into the half, mental mistake by Trevor Lawrence, great play by Marcus Williams to a tackle him inbounds and b get up. Because he got hurt on that play. He didn't return in the second half because of that play. He left with a groin injury. He's now day-to-day. Um, yeah. But it was a great play by him to get up because if he stays down, that's an injury timeout that they're now giving them. So uh, that that was huge. And I think it was Roquan Smith that kind of also was on it too because he went over there and was picking, telling them to pretty much get off the ground uh, so that they don't stop the clock. But – uh, yeah, I mean, the defense, it was a nice bounce back game for them uh, coming from that Rams game. Um, the, it, it does look like the guys are slowing down a little bit up front in the pass rush. Clowney's not making the impact that he was making necessarily earlier. Uh, Van Noy either. But this is kind of the time of year last year where the sacks had slowed down for the Ravens and where Justin Houston had kind of wore down a little bit. And so... I'm not saying that I think Clowney and them and Van Noy and those guys are like done or anything like that. It's just ebbs and flows. You know, they they yeah. really overachieved to a degree to this point in the season. Balance. It's just how it happens. So, you know, you just hope that at some point, maybe even Monday night, that they're able to kind of come back and start making more impact plays. But Matabike gets another sack, um, extends his streak. Mm-hmm. Ching for him. I mean, every sack. That's all he hears is a cash. We at eleven straight games now. Yeah, yeah. Of a sack. Yep, half sack. I mean, but he's got every, twelve. Yeah, of at least a half a sack. Yeah, uh, which is an NFL uh, record, to my yeah, understanding. Yeah. So hey, uh, Matabike continues to have himself a great year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was an overall good game for the defense, and it was good to see. Uh, hopefully Marcus Williams will be able to be there for him on Monday night because they're going to need all hands on deck. 
my favorite thing too is just watching. Look, Kyle Hamilton is we were we went from being scared and and, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I was one of those people that was like, oh, maybe Kyle shouldn't play because you know you want him just to be prepared for the games against San Francisco and against Miami, and you didn't want to like make a situation worse. And then somehow he goes out there and plays, and he's the cyborg i think i don't even understand how he was able to go out there and still play at such a high level with the, with the mcl spray so you know to see him be uh do his job and uh just be so good at what he does even in you know the situation of an injury just says a lot about the talent of kyle hamilton and it's just really been fun and impressive to watch yeah it has i mean the dude is he's, he's a freak of nature um they use him to you know all over the field that's exactly what they envision positionless defense for them um and Kyle Hamilton able to help him in the slot able to play on the back third able to come up and be a blitz he, I mean he's a sound tackler he's got great coverage length speed I mean it's it's exactly what you want and like you said for him to be able to go out there and play hurt is one thing, but it's great that he played so well and made it out of the game seemingly okay. So that that's great news. Absolutely. Um, do you feel comfortable about what this run defense looks like moving forward? You got Christian McCaffrey coming up, and, yeah. and we'll preview that. But you got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Mostar has played well um, mm-hmm. for the Dolphins, and then you got Warren, uh, who's played well for the Steelers. Do you feel like? That what they done, what they did uh, against NTA could be something that we see, or, or is it something you're still like, I'm not really sure yet. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. Like I said, okay. they the the Jags were able to have some success early in the game, um, and then you look at you look at who's coming up. Like you said, uh, I mean, you look at who leads running the running back position in total touchdowns this year. It's tied with Christian McCaffrey and Raheem Mostert, who are the next two guys that they face. Both of those guys, 20 touchdowns, 20 total touchdowns on the year. Yep. I, to be honest with you, I've kind of had to come to grips. Not, and not that I'm giving them a pass or making an excuse for them or anything, but I've just come to the conclusion within myself that, they're going to the, the Niners are going to run the ball on them. That is what's going to happen. Is what's going to happen. Their key to success will have to come through stopping something else. The run game, it, it'll it, it's going to end up being a lost cause. And I think if them giving it too much attention, this is going to sound crazy, but them giving it too much attention is going to open up things that'll really kill them in, in that Niners offense. And we could talk about that later, but I, I I just, I just think the run game to answer your question is still a concern. It's going to be a concern with these games coming up because they face some really good offenses that make a true commitment to running the ball. And that, like I've been saying all year has been the Achilles heel of this defense It's not just the run game in general. It's when teams make that true commitment to going with the run for full quarters. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So, look, they, they did what they needed to do. Again, the Jags gave them some opportunities. But also, I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, they didn't play well from a past, uh, a past defense perspective as well. Marlon Humphrey played really nice well game. on Sunday. 
Um, and so it was good to see in that regard. So there were a lot of good things that came out of Sunday's game from a defensive perspective. It is Pat on the hat time, Cordell. We got our three favorite guys of the week that we are choosing to give a pat on the hat. So I will start with you. Who is your first pat on the hat? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely had himself yeah. a really good game uh, in this one. Uh, he goes out there, what, uh, five catches, 70 yards, a touchdown on six targets, and including that highlight catch on the Lamar scramble and broken out of sack and ex- and making the throw and likely going up there and Moss and those two guys, that was great. He's just, he's been really good for them. Um, playing with a ton of confidence right now, which is great because it's really happening, I think, at the right time uh, for the matchups that they have coming up. He's going up against a great tight end in George Kittle himself. So this could turn out to be a really good tight end battle uh, on Christmas night between those guys. But I think likely he's playing at a high level and they needed him to because I don't, I'm not trying to insinuate that they're not missing Mark Andrews, but you know, it's, it's giving that's a similar type of impact that Mark had on this offense. It's allowed them to kind of not skip a beat. Now we'll see what the Keaton Mitchell injury does because at some point you're going to see something, but it's good to see that Isaiah likely is playing so well that the, as big of a miss as Mark Andrews is for them, they're not having to completely feel it. Does feel like likely been talking to Andrews, maybe been watching mm-hmm. some Andrews film. He, you know, him and Lamar are creating uh, a connection. So it has been fun to watch. I'll give it to the defensive side of the ball. I'll give it to Justin Matabike for continuing his consecutive streak. Uh, honestly, you know, cause, cause we know that Trevor Lawrence um, ended up having, it was in concussion protocol and I know mm-hmm. the exact play. They tried to tell you it was one play and I knew that it wasn't, it was absolutely when he was near uh, their own end zone and I saw his head bounce off the ground. That was a Justin Matabike sack. And I was just like, and he wasn't, I saw him, him meaning Trevor Lawrence go to the sideline and say something to the coach mm-hmm. staff about his head. And they tried to switch the camera real fast. But by then we had already read He it. had dirt balled a couple of throws after that play. His, he had, it, well, maybe it was the play or maybe the drive after, but I, maybe it was that play I'm thinking of, but I noticed it earlier as well that something yeah. was off with him. Cause he had about two or three straight throws where it was just straight to the ground. WTF. He had a couple of WTF mm-hmm. and look, I'm not, I'm not, um, congratulating Medebike on the sack uh, uh, in terms of hurting him. Obviously, you don't want to see guys get hurt, but like that, that obviously that sack was impactful to how the rest of that game went. So, um, I'm going to give it to Medebike for continuing his sack streak. Who else you got? Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Lamar. I mean, prime time making MVP esque plays. I mean, somehow we went this whole podcast and didn't really bring him up. Kudos to us. That was that that was just crazy, but. Uh, Because it's so tough to do. But Lamar was just great Sunday night uh, in his own right, in Lamar's own way. The the interception wasn't ideal. That's him kind of reverting back to his old ways a little bit of wanting to be Superman every play. Trying to put a cape on when you had Likely who was wide open. You got the first down yourself. But, hey, he rebounded well. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, that's the only knock I have on him pretty much that night. Uh, I am a little concerned with the tackles 
um, because that and that just be. that that right now is is scaring me. I mean, they're getting pushed back to him way too often. Um, he just he's he's being spectacular right now by getting out of those situations, but you just don't know, you know, when that play will be the play. You just you we've seen it a couple of times, and you're worried um, when the offensive line is looking the way it is right now, but he is spectacular and it's just hilarious to see pass rushers when they can't get to them, how frustrated they are running around exerting so much energy. I mean, and Lamar's taking some clean shots too, even on that smooth play that he evades him on to likely he still takes a hit flush on right that before play. he gets yeah right before he gets the pass off yeah so you, you gotta be you still just gotta be careful with the hits that he's taking but I, I thought Lamar put together an MVP type of performance it was funny watch hearing uh, Chris Collinsworth be in such awe of, of it was like it was as if it was his first time watching Lamar yeah I mean it does feel like your first time every time you mm-hmm. know when you watch Lamar um, I'll give it to the running backs as a whole, because Keaton Mitchell obviously went out. We wish him the best of, of luck in terms of his recovery. Um, but I, I just felt like they played well. Lamar, 97 yards, 8.1 uh, average. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, 73 yards before his injury, 8.1 average. Gus Edwards, although his, his average was 3.6, he did have a nice 20-yard run um, that was impactful, 58 yards. Justice Hill, 23 yards, 4.6. Um, average for carry. So they did what they needed to do on the ground. Uh, and I can't, I, I don't want to just give that to one person. I felt like that that was a combined effort of what it is that they were able to do. So kudos to the entire, I, I'm not considering Lamar a running back, obviously, but Lamar did have 97 yards on the ground. So <laughs> the running backs and Lamar's legs, let me say that the running back group and Lamar's legs, y'all did what y'all needed to do. And you just embarrassed a run defense that was touted to be one of the better ones in the National Football League. Yeah, um, no issue there. I'll give my last one to a defensive player. I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. He plays hurt, um, and then he goes out there, leads him in tackles. He's still covering wide receivers. He's still doing it all, blowing up screen plays. Is the dude is doesn't get the credit for how smart he is and, and how uh, high play recognition he has, because it, it's not a one-off thing of him blowing the screens up. I mean, it's a, it's kind of his niche, you know? Yeah. So I, I think Kyle Hamilton just continues to make this defense unique, kind of how Lamar makes the offense its own unique type of style. You're not going to face another offense like the Ravens anywhere else in the league. I feel that way about this defense, mainly due to Kyle Hamilton, because he's just that prototype that a lot of, you don't find Kyle Hamilton's around the NFL. It's not many people that are doing what he's doing. So um, yeah, he, he continues to take that defense at a new level. And it's one of the main reasons why I do feel like regardless of what some of their issues have been in the run game and what they're going to be coming up. uh, I still think this is a championship type defense. I completely agree with you there. Um, They're they're 10th in run defense, but look, I mean, you can't be perfect, right? It is what it is. Uh, And um, they still found a way to rebound and, and, and find ways to close games out 
it feels like since the Browns game. So good for them. I'll stick with the defense and I'll stay with uh, Marlon Humphrey. The statistics won't say he did anything spectacular. He only had four solo tackles. He had a pass deflected, but ultimately he did really well in terms of covering um, in the game. Um, he needed that because we remember the last sequence uh, uh, in regulation in the Rams game where he just didn't necessarily play well. So kudos to Marlon for having a bounce back week um, and shout out to him. I'm going to give a heel. I would like to give a heel to uh, Terry. Is it McCauley? Terry uh, McCauley, uh, the referee yeah, yeah. in the NFL. Hey, sir. Hey, if the league and the New York office said that that man, that they could not overturn that, why were you so adamant about having it overturned? I didn't see anything that said that that man caught the ball clearly in bounds for it to be a touchdown. And he was, he just kept going on and on and on about it. And I was like, hey, this, maybe this is why you're at the network and not working on the field or not working in New York. Because clearly you don't have the same mind frame as what the guys that are currently working are doing. And so I'm giving him the heel of the week. He just would not stop. I was very, very annoyed by that man kept talking about a touchdown that clearly to me did not look like it was something that should have been overturned. Yeah. I mean, it was a toss up at best. Um, I think he just felt like he had retained possession at a, and New York didn't feel like he, you know, retained it at the point that Terry did, but yeah, he definitely would not let it go for whatever reason. I guess he had to let it be known that he doesn't always stand with the officials. Yeah. Um, Thanks, but no thanks. New York said what they said, and that's what it is, okay? So moving along. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. We're going to preview the San Francisco game on the next episode of Winning Dry. It should be a very interesting one. That's one thing I've been seeing, uh, Cordell, is while you should be, I don't want to say, the, the, the word is not scared. Obviously, the, the 49ers have three losses, so it's not like that they are, and uh, invincible. I understand the concern going into this game, but what I will say is that too many of the Ravens flock conceding to a loss. It's one thing to say, um, if if they lose, it's okay. It's a non-conference loss or whatever, but conceding already is uh, crazy. And the one thing that we've learned about this Ravens team is that they are, they're not going to give up. And they're they're not, you know, if, if they're they're going to find a way to stay into any game that they're mm -hmm. in. They show you that every single time this season. So you got to have more faith than what I'm seeing in social media land. Y'all are being very ridiculous. I'm very disappointed in you. San Francisco team, they put their draws on the same way that the Ravens do. Mm -hmm. So they can be beat just like anybody else. I just had to get that out. Thank you so much. Hey, they're human. That's why they play the game. You know, exactly. It's, it's gonna be a good one. It's I'm 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 definitely hyped as a football fan. I'm, I'm for sure uh, to see this game. I mean, this is these are the two best teams in the NFL right now. So um, you just hope the game lives up to it, especially on Christmas night. It'll be a great way to end the night watching uh, watching this game. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see it happen. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited for this upcoming matchup. Nervous, for sure, because mm -hmm. uh, this could potentially be a Super Bowl preview, but I'm also excited to see how this goes. So we'll talk about that on the next episode. We want to thank you all 
for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 